You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. First Chronicles chapter 4. I want us to look there tonight. Familiar verses. I've preached this before. Maybe a I don't know, maybe a couple of times before, but I took a fresh look at it uh, over the last week or two, and then I zeroed in on it today, and uh, just kind of how God opened my eyes to this passage of Scripture. Um, every, um, I would say every, for sure every year of my life, prayer becomes more important to me. Every month of my life, I'm sure it does, possibly sometimes even weekly depending on what's going on and what's happening in my life. When I hear things like this Tyler, um, TJ, TJ, Prater issue, you just, and I, it really kind of sets me back for a little bit. I stop and think about, well, what if that was one of ours? And how would we be uh, acting? And I, I just have to stop and get alone with the Lord and just talk to God and just work through and realize God is sovereign. God is in control. Understand that young man is, is in heaven with the Lord and enjoying the glory of heaven and, um, and then pray and beg God to be with that wife and those little girls. Um, prayer has become more and more important to me than just about any other part of the ministry I can think of because it, it brings you right into heaven. I mean, literally, it's a golden stairway right into the throne room of God and I appreciate it so much. When we get into what we're going to read here tonight, you're going to find that this uh, uh, genealogy that's being given was also given elsewhere, and yet God chose to give it to us again with a few more little details that I want to take the time to bring out a little bit tonight. In a couple of the verses, different people had bought the little paperback book years ago called Jabez's or The Prayer of Jabez, and uh, a lot of great things to say in there. I don't think I even own it. But I, I like to read, read a passage like this every now and then and let God just talk to me. And what would God say to me? How does it affect my life? And when I figure out how it helps me the most, I've figured out I can be the best help to others when I can relate that to others as well. So let's, uh, let's look in First Chronicles 4 and I'll have you start with me in verse 1. Everybody there? What's it say up at the top of that? The genealogy of Judah. Don't you love genealogies? I bet when you're looking for a day where you just need something to really perk you up, you just flip back to the genealogies. I just really need something to build me up today, just encourage me. I want to I get into the genealogies. And I, I, I realize probably nobody does that. But let's see how God does this. In verse 1. The sons of Judah... Pharez, Hezron, and Carmi, and Hur, and Shobal, and Reaiah. Anybody <coughs> wants to correct me on these names, feel free to do so after the service. And Reaiah, the son of Shobal, begat Jahath, and Jahath begat Ahume and Lahad. These are the families of the Zorathites. And these were of the father of Etam, Jezreel, and Ishma, and Idbash, and the name of the, their sister was, I wish they'd have just stuck with Hazel, 
um, Hazel L. Ponai. Yeah. And Penuel, the father of Gedor, and Ezer, the father of Husha, these are the sons of Hur, the firstborn of Ephrata, the father of Bethlehem. And Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Hela and Neara. And Neara bare him a Huzam and Hefer and Timonai and Heahashterai. Hmm. These were the sons of Neara. Uh, and the sons of Hela were Zereth and Jezoar and Ethnan. And Kaz begat Anab and Zobiba and the families of Ahar Hel, the son of Haram. Is everybody encouraged and challenged at this point? Would you have stopped in your devotions and said, wow, man, I have been, I've been blessed. I got something that fed my heart and soul uh, t- tonight. But if you'll get into verses 9 and 10, notice how God changes some details and adds to the detail now of this genealogy. And for some reason, and I think it's obvious, God makes us aware of this individual and details that you'll find nowhere else in the Bible. So we break into this genealogy or this um, list of the the names of the generations and so forth in verse 9. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. Either they say because of the pain in the, uh, during giving birth or because her husband had died previously or other events that are taking place in her life. We don't know, but we do know that sorrow was a part of his birth. Verse 10, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. And that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Two tremendously powerful verses that I believe can be a real blessing and a help to your prayer life. And, and I'll, let me just have a word of prayer, and I'll get into to my thoughts here if I can. Lord, thank you for the passage here tonight and how it's blessed me throughout this day, Lord, as I've had an opportunity to kind of walk through it again and be mindful of principles that stand out and to see at the very end, God, you answered this man's request for every one of those things. And how did that come to pass? I pray that you'll speak to our hearts concerning this in Christ's name, I pray. Amen. You know what Jabez's name means? It means grief. More than likely, Uh, What a lot of the commentators believe, even the Jewish historians believe, that this prayer was prayed because Jabez was probably going to be facing some of the Canaanite enemies that he's going to have to be facing to try to remove them out of a certain sector of land so that he could maybe wipe them out and then be able to have a another portion of land, or these were just some of the idol worshipers that God is telling him, I need to have removed. We're not 100% sure, but by the tone of his prayer, you get an idea that some of that possibly was going on. And before he broke into um, um, his battle or whatever venture it was that he was going into, he did not want to live up to his name, grief. For some reason, his mother gave him that name. 
You know, sometimes, guys, people will live up to what you call them. You know, dads that always put their, their children down, sons telling them, you know, you, you keep acting like that, you're going to wind up in prison. And, and, you know, half the time they do. And a lot of times you breed into somebody, um, sometimes, who they become. And it just gets into their psyche, who they are. And, and I used to tease the little boys. Now, I don't think Herman is a bad name for little guys. But I used to, well, Ryan, when you were little, do you remember what I used to call you? What? It wasn't Herman. Ruin. I used to call Ryan Ruin, and then it hit me one day, and I was teaching a Sunday school lesson, and, and I said the very thing I just said tonight. And the next time I saw Ryan, he was just a little blonde-haired kid running around the church, um, hanging on the doors and stuff at that time. Um, you know, Ryan, I got to quit calling you Ruin. <laughs> um, Jabez did not want to live up to his name. He did not want to go into this venture. He did not want to enter into a battle, whatever it was, and to come away with grief in his heart. Um, friends maybe being slain, maybe causing grief for his family and his own death. I don't know. We, we're not sure. But one thing is sure. He did not want to end up living out the meaning of his name. So he turns to God and in this prayer, uh, before he steps into some major venture, cries these things out to God. Can I just say this to us here tonight, guys, that uh, before you head into some venture, I don't know if it's maybe somebody that you have to have a confrontation with, you know, one of those really hard confrontations, you know, oh man, tomorrow I, I got that meeting with so-and-so and it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be ugly. If somebody's a, a, a boss or somebody that has to face an employee, uh, an employee, um, and, and tell them some difficult things. Uh, th- this is a tremendous prayer. Somebody heading into a circumstance for health, uh, you name it, a difficult circumstance, and largely anything that you're facing in life um, that really has some, uh, some weight to it, I would challenge you to stop and consider some of the thoughts that Jabez prayed as he prayed this uh, prayer to God. Let me just say this. A lot of people got that little prayer book, the the prayer of Jabez, and I hate to say it, but thousands of Christians kind of used it like a little uh, magic wand. And if I just wave these certain amount of words and say the right things, you know, I just say this prayer, uh, and you're really praying to God, you know, God will hear my prayer and all these things will get answered. But that's not what this is about. It's like some people pray the Lord's Prayer. Uh, You know, why don't we say the Lord's Prayer more often here in church? I've heard that asked, and the answer to that is uh, God wasn't giving us the Lord's Prayer just to say the words and say that we, you know, we've said the prayer now, but it's a pattern that all your other prayers go under. That's all, that's all that was ever intended to be, and if this is just a list of rules that I'm following, then you've missed the relationship. I hope you'll hear what I said there. If this is just a list of little things that I say to God, and it's been condensed to a set of little rules that I follow to try to get God's blessings, you've missed out on the relationship with God. So let's walk through this tonight and notice how he did this back uh, into verse 10. If you look at it again. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, first thing he did was he asked God to go into action. That's my first word is action. Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. So he's calling upon God not to be still. Please don't just sit on the throne. 
I'm calling you out, God. To, will you please go into action for me? Jabez, if he is in fact not far from some battle or some skirmish or something really difficult in his life, uh, you know, with an enemy or whatever it might be, uh, he doesn't want to enter this fight with God simply uh, in his own mind, his way of thinking, with God observing on the sidelines, so to speak. Uh, he wants to know that God is keenly aware of his circumstances and that he is willing to move on his behalf. He wants to know God is listening, that God's, God's eyes are on the circumstance. And this is the part of his prayer where he's making his need undeniably known and wants God to be fully aware of that. And you say, well, preacher, God knows everything and he's always fully aware of everything. And I, and I understand that. But Jabez isn't presuming upon God, nor is he just um, to go into battle just assuming that God is fully engaged. Guys, you have not because you ask not. Well, God knows everything, and so why pray? Because you have not because you ask not. And Jabez understands that, and he wants to get God's eyes and focus fully upon what he's doing. And Jabez wants the confidence of going into battle, knowing that I've had a genuine conversation with my God, and God is zeroed in on what I'm about to do. So again, that would be like you or me heading into a very difficult circumstance. And I, I've talked to numbers of people over the last several months with circumstances that are very difficult. I have a pastor friend that over this past year has been He'll text or email me a long um, email about what's happening in his church and how he's got to approach somebody and he doesn't want to lose a family and he, he wants to try to help bring them around and gets, you know, he's getting, you know, safety in the multitude of counselors and I'm one of those. And I, I know what he's saying is I just, I don't want to head into this battle without the mind of Christ and to know that God is, is listening. Uh, um, you know, I just, I need to know that God, I have your sympathetic and listening ear. It's what David was saying in uh, Psalm 86 and verse 1. Here's what he said to God. Bow down thine ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. Well, would somebody tell me, you think God is hard of hearing? So much so that he has to bow down on his knees to listen to our prayer? Or do you really think it was an attitude that David was trying to portray to God to get him to understand, God, I just need to know that you're listening to me. Let's just say it again. God always listens to us. Would you agree with me on that? But our problem is we don't always realize that. I don't realize how much in touch God is with me all the time. And it's building confidence in me to know that I have rung the bell of heaven. I don't know how else to say it uh, other than I, I, I need to know that I have God's attention. It's getting his attention and letting him know that you are fully engaged with him. My mind is now focused upon God, and I need to know, God, you're focus, focusing upon me. So Jabez, Jabez was saying, I need to know that you understand my need to be blessed. How did he say it? Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. I mean, that is a genuine, heartfelt prayer to God. I believe it's one that, like I say, rung the bell of heaven, and he realizes what was already taking place. God was focused upon me, but my heart is now at a place where God can now work in and through me as well. Number two, first Jabez asked for action. Number two, I love what he prayed in this next part of this prayer. 
If he asks for action in the first place, he's asking for expansion in the next place. Look at it again in verse 10. Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. What's the next thing he says? And enlarge my coast. I really do like that. I don't think he was being selfish. I I don't think he was being narrow-minded and trying to say, can you just look at me, Lord, and just kind of dump a bunch of blessings on me And in spite of the way everybody else is? You know that's not what's going on there. This is a prayer. Things are in focus. His heart and his mind and his attitude is right. And he looks at God and says, God, as long as you own the universe and as long as you're able to do just literally anything, would you just pause over this little household and pour out your blessings upon what I'm about to get involved in. I need an expansion program in my life. Now, by the way, everybody here tonight needs an expansion program in your life. Spiritually speaking, we, we all do. Fighting an enemy, you, you stand to either gain or lose ground. You really do. Guys going into battle. Uh, I, I was watching a, a news clip about an ancient burial site of some ancient famous army. I wish I could remember the names of these things I read about. But a, a famous burial place, and, and it shows the, you know, the, the, the battle axe that had broken somebody's bone in a, a mar on the skull and so forth. And they note their um, spears are laying by their sides and so forth. And many of those men died in the battle, and that's where they buried many of those people. And that's true. Guys, anytime we head out into the battle, when you step out of your house every day, you stand to gain or to lose ground spiritually. You really do. You cannot just step out of your house and feel like I'm in the neutral zone. Things are always going to be happening in your day. Satan will never just sit back and allow you to gain ground by default. Just by walking out, had my prayer time with God. This is going to be the greatest day in the world. Me and God's going to grow today. And, and the devil's sitting back saying, oh yeah, not if I can help it. I promise you that hard conversation you're about to have, that very difficult circumstance you are facing, you stand to gain or lose spiritual ground depending on your attitude you go into that with. Jabez understood that. He didn't want to be found in some ancient burial ground with, you know, a hatchet mark in his skull or whatever it might be. And he's saying, God, I want to win this battle. And not only do I want to win this battle, I'm asking you to enlarge my coast. Can we just increase in size? Can my posterity just uh, really grow in this area? Can we, can we bring about many more of who I am and, and try to bring about many more righteous people, God? Would you allow my coast to be enlarged? And God, just to be honest with you, along with that is going to be the cattle that comes along with it. Uh, you know, many other things that come along with uh, an, an enlarging coast. And he was just very boldly standing before God with his heart right with God, knowing that he was approaching a sovereign loving, caring God and saying, could you expand my territory? I, I'd like to see some growth in, 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 uh, in my life, physically and spiritually. Um, so he needed God to help him in this battle. And if you'll remember, guys, we have absolutely no strength against the devil in and of ourselves. Uh, we never reach a place where we can handle difficulties on our own. 
Never. Bill Prater, good friend of mine, I can only imagine, and I just sat back in my chair and thought, that man's been in the ministry for a, a long time. Judy, you know him. And has grown unbelievably in the Lord. But you're going to hit places in your life when you realize, I, I don't have what it takes to get through this. And you don't. So we need to regularly beg God to fight our battles for us. Because the weapons of our warfare, guys, they're not, um, they're not carnal. They're not from my physical strength. They only come as I am mighty through God to where God can pull down the strongholds. That is the only way you'll win the battle and gain territory as opposed to going backwards in your walk with God. I, uh, I, I was just talking to somebody else the other day and, and they spouted off and they said something. They just, oh, if I had never said that, God help me to never say that again. And and um, this was an article I had been reading the other day, and they just wish they could have come back and straightened that situation out. And you're not going to be able to do that if you're constantly backing up, losing territory, because you choose to walk in your flesh. You're not going to make it tomorrow at work as a, a Christian that's expanding territory, gaining influence of the people around you, fellow workers being able to look and notice there's something different about that individual. You're not going to expand your territory and God's not going to be able to bless you abundantly in numbers of ways if you expect to go out in the power of your own flesh. So when you, you uh, stop and understand that God, unless you work in my life, unless you go into action and you determine to work in my life, things will not be expanded. Every Christian here tonight needs to expand your walk with God. You ought to grow in the Lord every, honestly, every day. You, you ought to grow a little bit more in how you read and glean from the Bible. It needs to become something more than just that I read to get through so I can get on to work. It's got to be something that I, God, if you don't feed me, I can't leave here until I know that you're feeding my heart. I mean, we have to expand the territory of our Bible reading. We need to expand the territory of your prayer time with God. My wife is constantly uh, trying to get my attention and, and uh, to direct my thoughts away from whatever it was I happened to be doing. She's like, honey, can you just listen to what I'm saying? And I am listening. Well, what did I just say then? I wish you would stop asking that. She'll just say, well, what did I just say? And I'm like, you know what you just said. I don't remember. She wants my attention. Our relationship will grow as I learn to focus on her. And I'm telling you guys, your relationship with Christ will not grow until you learn to get focused in your prayer life. I mean really focused. You shove aside all the things in life that are distracting you, and you're on your face before God. I mean, this, this, this message tonight, when I finished it in my office today, I know there's gold in it. I know there is. But somehow I went home feeling like it was all wood, hay, and stubble in my heart. I really did, and I don't know why. But I just spent extra time tonight just asking God, please, will you do something in our hearts tonight that will help change where we are with you? And, and until you can push everything aside and really talk to God face to face, there will never be an expansion program in your walk with God. There just won't. Until you grow in your Bible study and it means something to you, and you grow in your prayer time with God, 
this expansion that Jabez was asking for, I believe it was physical. I believe it was asking for territory. But I also believe that his heart was right with God when he was asking for it, or we would have never been able to give the last point I'll give here in just a minute. So first, Jabez asked for God to go into action. Then he asked for this expansion. Then thirdly tonight, the third thing Jabez asked God for is for intervention. Um, So verse 10 again, um, enlarge my coast and that thine hand might be with me. When my dad said, Philip Lee Spencer, get up to your bedroom. I knew there was about to be an intervention. And my dad went into action. Yeah, there was an expansion program I didn't appreciate. And my dad intervened in the actions of my life. His hand got involved in in my life. Jabez knows unless God gets his hands in on his affairs, everything's going to be in vain. He knows that. Jabez is about to head out into battle, and he's a trained soldier. I, I have no doubt about that. He knows what he's going to be doing. He could probably train you know, many other men. Uh, he's a trained man, but he knows this very well, that a, a stone flung from a sling inadvertently in the air can strike somebody and take him down. He knows that. Uh, even the most trained soldiers can die from something haphazard. And he understands that. And so he says, God, I need your intervention. I need you to get your hand involved in what I am going to be doing. I don't want to walk into this program. I don't want to go into what I'm about to face tomorrow. I don't want to have this conversation with a, a parent or Whatever is about to happen with you, maybe it's a sit down with a doctor. That's a very serious conversation. I don't want to do that without knowing that the hand of God is involved in what I'm about to do. That's exactly what uh, he was saying. We talk about people that have, maybe they have mentally lost their ability to reason some things through. And they're being not just a danger to themselves, but to other people. And they refuse to get help. Are you listening? They refuse to get help. You've heard of times where people, have had, families have had to uh, do an intervention. Somebody had to move in and sit down with somebody they love, but they're incapable at the time and have an intervention and literally get their hands involved and get those people into places where something can help that individual. I'm here to tell you, every day of your life, you need an intervention from God. Every day of my life, my wife and I need an intervention in our marriage. Every day of your life, the the job that you're partaking in, you don't go to work just to clock in and, and make a paycheck. You go to work to be a witness for God. You're at work to be a testimony for the Lord. That's our number one reason. And unless God intervenes in your life, Unless God is working in your life, it's like his prayer here. Um, God, enlarge my coast and that thine hand might be with me. It's not by my power or by might. It's by the spirit of God, which is the hand of God that gets involved in your life. Um, I love what the, uh, the preacher was saying. Everybody's wondering where the preacher was. He wasn't in the building. This is, goes back many years ago. But one of the men of the church said, hey, I'll, no, it was one of the kids. 
said, I'll run back to the house and I'll see where he's at and we'll tell him, hey, we're, we're ready. And the little child went back in, uh, in the house and he could hear the pastor praying in the back bedroom. And the pastor was saying, I'm not going to go unless you go with me. I'm not going to go to the service unless you come with me. The little boy went running back over to the church and told the deacons, oh, he's on his way and that other one's coming too. He had no idea who the other one was, but the preacher did. What I know uh, without any doubt is if I stand up in this pulpit and preach the word of God without God getting his hand in it, unless God intervenes, everything is going to be in vain. And everything you do at work tomorrow or you're trying to help your family be a godly family, I don't care what you do, unless you get this thing that Jabez was begging God for, I need, I need an intervention, I need you to get your hand in this, it's going to be in vain. Everything that you're involved in. So uh, he knew what he was doing and he knew what he needed. And I pray that you and I will beg and, and pray, oh God, I need the hand of God in my life as I head out tomorrow, tonight, whatever it is I'm trying to do. Uh, let's, let's get these last two in here. So he's asked for God to go into action for an expansion. He begs God for an intervention. And then he asks God for protection. Uh, enlarge my coast. Thine hand might be with me. And that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. My name is Jabez. My name means grief. But God, I'm asking you that I will not live up to my name. I'm asking you that I would live up to your name. I'm asking you, God, that you will keep me from evil, that it will not grieve me. God, I'm asking, I've already, already kind of lined it out. As I go out into the battlefield, God, please don't. Number one, don't let me be a casualty. I don't want my family to grieve because of me. I don't want to see my friends and loved ones on the battlefield lying dead. God, would you keep me from this kind of grief? It would just be a blessing of heart. <clears throat> I, I, would, I was thinking about that, and I said, how does that apply? I'm not going out into a physical battle. But we go out into the battle every day of our life. Um, those men that have been in the ministry, I've got Brother Larry Hagan and others who probably have served in places, Brother Doug and others, have seen men that have pastored and done great works for God and have got to the end of their ministry and then blow it. I don't know how else to say it, but they blow it. Um, in their old age will run off with another woman or... Uh, take off with money, or will do something very, very foolish. Evil set in, they let their guard down, and men fell. I, I just have to tell you, I, I, I don't want to go out of the ministry uh, when I'm done. I don't want to go out as a failure. I, I, I want to go out on the top side. I want to hit the grave having done everything I can to serve God. I, I'm just asking God, please don't let foolishness get into my life so that I mess things up. It's not just going to hurt me. It's going to hurt an entire body of believers. I want God to use me every day of my life. So I, I've gone through this before. I don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but I'll say it again. Every day of my life, 
I try to get alone with God and make sure that I'm clothed with the armor of God. Satan's going to throw his fiery darts every day. And I've been through the series enough. You've got notes somewhere around that you could follow that. But you cannot go out into the battle and expect to, to go unscathed. And with all the darts that Satan are throwing at you every moment of your life, you cannot expect to go out into this world and not suffer grief. I'm not saying you'll never have heartache and brokenheartedness. That's always going to be a part of the Christian life but unnecessary grief because I failed to live a life of protecting myself with that whole armor of God. I remember in Bible college, a prayer that I prayed, and then I'll I'll give you this last point. I remember having heard of one great pastor that fell. I couldn't believe it. I was stunned. And I always looked up to those guys as spiritual heroes. And I, they encouraged and challenged me. And I loved reading their messages. And then I read where he fell, spiritually fell. I don't even remember what his name was. And I don't remember what he did. But it so broke my heart. And I thought to myself, God, if he can fall, what kind of a chance do I have? And I really, really meant that with all my heart. And I remember in my dorm room getting on my knees, all but trembling, and just saying to God, God, would you please get out in front of me in this ministry, go all the way to the point where I get into the grave, and would you just find all those places where I'm going to be so tempted and where I'm ready to give in and I'm so weak, would you please put a host of angels there, and would you spend a little extra time on that spot with me God, that when I have my weak moments, would you be my strength and help me to make it through those times? And I have to say, praise God, he's given me the grace and the strength. And if there's any time that I've ever made it through a tough time, it's only been because of God. God, would you keep me from evil that it may not grieve me? That was for protection. And I love the last point. Lastly, he experienced satisfaction. Look at it. Verse 10 again. Let's read the whole verse. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast and that thine hand might be with me and that thou wouldest keep me from evil that it may not grieve me. Wow. And God granted him that which he requested. Amen. I I believe that God delights to answer the prayers of his people. I really do. Um... I bring my grandkids up a lot. Papa, can I, can, I, can I see your phone? There's little things on there they can do. Can I see your phone? I look at their grimy fingers. Uh, yeah. Okay. And I, I love to see the little grin on their face. Like, I knew he was going to do it. It's just, I see that look on their face every time. I, I, I love when children ask for something that I can provide. It's a blessing to me. I enjoy being a help unless I know the thing that I will give to them will set them backwards and they'll, they won't have an appreciation for sacrifice and so forth. I, so God granted him that which he requested. God loved to do that for a man like Jabez. And if I can just say this and I'm done, when we have a heart to see God's will done, I mean, that's what I want. I want God's will to be done. And when we're willing to fight God's battles, I mean, we'll get on the battlefield. We're not on the sidelines. And I, I believe God desires to see those children's needs and even some of their desires to be met. I think he loves to see the joy in our hearts and to answer our requests. So why wouldn't we pray? Why wouldn't we pray? 
And again, don't let this just become a little, little list that I've run through with God. And, you know, if I say this, 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 and this, that's a list of rules. That's not a relationship. This is all about developing a relationship with God and crying out to a God that would love to answer the prayers of his people. I believe that with all my heart. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.